You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. Welcome to episode 77 of this glorious and illustrious podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. Uh, we will have a UFC 276 breakdown coming up on Friday. The Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast will continue to get after like we always do each and every week. It was a uh, we'll, we'll have plenty to discuss from this weekend's card. Uh, a little bit of disappointment. Don't get a... A decisive conclusion to O'Malley and Munoz. Uh, you know, Volkanovski dominated, in which you know the odds would have told you that way. But I thought you know Max would have given us a better fight. We will get into all of that. I'll save all of my thoughts and notes for Friday's show, and we will also get into this upcoming weekend's card. So you know, if you haven't tuned into it yet, if you like uh, gambling, you like UFC, you like MMA, you like combat sports, that definitely is the podcast for you. But First, you know, what we are here to do, what we are here to talk about is our Philadelphia, our beloved Philadelphia Phillies and just the Philadelphia sports scene in general. Here in July, not exactly the most uh, rambunctious news cycle and not exactly uh, a ton to talk about games and whatnot. We have Eagles training camp right around the corner. We've got a little bit of Sixers free agency news and James Harden stuff to talk about. And the Flyers, you know, the Flyers are the Flyers. There is not much in that department to talk about. Free agency for that is right around the corner as well, kind of underway, but not really. You know how a lot of these leagues just do the, you know, everyone has these secret deals already cooked up. I mean, Jalen Brunson had a deal before the Mavericks were even able to talk to him. So we will have plenty to talk about. I, I gave you a very nice lengthy intro here today to get to our Phillies. Who When I last left, you were heading into a big series against the Atlanta Braves that didn't exactly go their way. It just kind of got off on the wrong foot to start it off. I believe that was a game where we had, Nola, I believe, Nola or it was Wheeler, right? Wheeler gave up the back-to-back homers in the first inning, and then they kind of just, you know, they were able to get back into the game, but then they gave it up in the 8th and ninth, and it just, you know, it, it just kind of a game and situation where they let slip away. Matt Olson had two homers in that game, uh, kind of killed us. And then the next night, they just could not get any anything going hits-wise. Only four hits for the, you know, the entire game. Ranger didn't pitch a great game, goes on the DL right after that. So that this is, you know, at this point, you're like, oh, shit, this, I'm not, ha-, like, I think I even tweeted that, like, I'm not having fun watching them anymore. They bring up Derek Hall, he can't. He can't get you know anything going. They were you know they were just. It seems like we were just grasping at straws. You know now DD hasn't played since. I'm pretty sure this this game. You know at the time it was he sat on Tuesday. He was out. You know for a lot of the weekend. And I think the last time he played was July 1st. You know so he did play. He, you know he played in the uh, the Cardinal series, but it seems like that knee it, it continues to be an issue even when you know DL stint after or IL stint after IL stint whatever you want to. Whatever you want to call it, but kind of jumping around here. Let me let me get back focus back to back to the center. 
where the Phils and their bats come alive on that Thursday night in that game three of the series to avoid the sweep. They did more than just avoid the sweep. They put up 14 runs. You know, you got Kyle. I mean, talk about everyone kind of producing in this game. Everyone had their, you know, Bohm with RBIs, Bryson Stott with RBIs, Veerling, Castellanos, Schwarber hit another homer, Hoskins hit a home run, Derek Hall hit two home runs, you know, so everyone essentially had a, had a, a part or, a, you know, a piece in the hitting or victory in this game because I believe every starter uh, on the team had a hit, which is, you know, that's not that's not an easy thing to do, but it was just good to see the Phillies break through and see them kind of uh, right the wrong, you know, they could have definitely won, uh, you know, that series, that series was there for the taking, you definitely wanted to perform better against Atlanta, but it was good to see, you know, like a sweep would have uh, been bad for the psyche, been bad for the just the the feeling surrounding the team because they they like we I've talked about on here and I continue to talk about that you know they are in somewhat of a fragile situation without having their MVP. You know they've they've lost their second baseman now for it's it's over a month. It's been five weeks since he broke his finger. I'm talking about Gene Segura. They've had to fire their manager. They were seven games under 500, and they've continued to persevere through all of this stuff. JT has not played well. Castellanos has gone through stretches where he has not played well. I mean, Hoskins was bad for a long time. Now he has awoken. Schwarber was hitting under 200 at a certain point this season. But the Phillies this season have found a way to continue to persevere through all of the negative things that have happened and through everything that has not gone their way. And that, that is something that you can hang your hat on and look and say, wow, this team might be different. This team feels different. I have a different energy when I watch this team because I just had that belief that you're, you're never out of a game or you just have that, that just, that set that just, I don't even, it's hard to explain, but there's just a feeling inside where you're just like, wow, like this, this game is never over. I believe in these guys. These are not the same, uh, just people players who would lay down at the end of the season and they just get swept by the Braves in the biggest series of, of the year or the, the Gabe Kapler led Phils who would just, you know, were absolute frauds and would just melt down towards August and September. Now there's plenty of time for them to still revert back to that, that version of themselves. But at where I sit right now, I, even then this is where, how I look at it or how I feel about it because at that time, you know, even in the, the – we're in July now, the June, you know, you always in the back of your mind thought the last few years, well, they're just – you know, this team's not good enough. They're going to they're, – they're frauds. They're going to collapse. They're going to come back to where we think they are, where they should be. They're going to melt down. They're going to just they're, – they're going to show us who they true are, their true colors. This year, it just feel it doesn't feel like that. They have the – you know, they've spent the money. They have – quality quality bats in this lineup and their their top two pitchers have done enough to keep keep them alive and they have a certain amount of bullpen arms that they can trust you know the Bilotti, I mean Bilotti, he, he seems like he's not the worst you know like that these are the guy like Canable not the worst they not the bat like Sir Anthony has been on fire like there there's just certain you know even Brad Hands kind of coming in and doing his thing like there it's just I don't have that sense of negativity. I don't have that uh, doom and gloom feeling surrounding the team. So the Phils take care of business against the Braves. Friday night, they take care of business against the Cardinals. 
Arenado responsible for three RBIs to begin this game. Phils go on to score five unanswered runs. And Derek Hall hits another home run. Hoskins hits another home run. Hoskins had a you know an RBI sack fly. They were just working runs however they could. Even even the Mick Mickey Moniak had a double in this game. His first like extra base hit like you know or yeah I think it was his first extra base hit like especially of the season. It might have even been of his career because that's just how down and out this guy has been you know since his career started so that was a huge win bounce back this is another game Phil you know Gibson gives up five runs to start the game courtesy of four home runs in the first inning from Dylan Carlson Juan Yepes Nolan Gorman and Arenado again who having a field day at Citizens Bank Park this this past weekend so the Phils bounce back though they you know Veerling Stott Munoz, guys like that coming and getting getting some runs home. That bottom of the order continues to make an impact. Part of the reason why, what I just said a couple minutes ago, like why I feel the way I feel, why that doom and gloom is not there anymore is because it feels like this lineup is much deeper than it's ever been and you're going to have guys at the bottom of that lineup who are going to come in in big moments, who are going to come in clutch. You know, I, I love Matt Veerling. I really do. I just he's just a player. You can play him all over the place. He's not the great, you know, he's not this all star level player, but he is a quality player to have on your baseball team who does a lot of different things and it seems like performs when you know when you need him. I mean, he's he's up to two fifty now, two forty eight to be exact. He steals bags. You know, he, I mean, he hit that huge homer in in Milwaukee. He he's just a guy that I I trust having out there on a night in and night out basis, especially without Bryce. So you know, and, and it allows them to have a better fielding situation. You can put a Veerling, or you know, Veerling maybe maybe Moniac or whoever in center field, or even Veer, you know, whatever you want to do. But that allows you to have a Castellanos or Schwarber in the DH, and you don't have to play them out on the field, which has always been a huge concern and which was a huge worry coming into the season. You know, you didn't want to be stretching your defense that thin to have two corner outfielders who are, you know, not are probably net negatives as opposed to a net positive, but you need their bats in the lineup. So it's it's kind of a uh, you know, tough situation to uh, be in. But nevertheless, they win or they they lose that game. They, Nolan Arenado hits a home run in the ninth inning. And that that is that it was a game I thought it was gonna ra- it was gonna rain the whole day and it basically rained for a little bit but didn't didn't close the game out didn't didn't delay the game in in any way shape or form so you know maybe maybe we could have used the delay or I was going back and forth before you know wanted this game to be stopped because we were down five nothing we came back I'm like all right yeah let's no rain no rain and then you know it was just it was a game it, it hurts to lose those games when you're in them and you you could use those wins. Kind of like a couple of those Braves games where it just felt like we just needed a couple hits to just get through. But this game, it was good to see them bounce back and, and not be dead in the water. More evidence for my uh, my my feeling on why I think we're not a dead dead team in the water. Why we're not you know a trash can organization or a a, a sad sad franchise uh, as we have been these last I mean close to ten years now. You know, so next night. Zach Wheeler's on the mound. He pitches a gem. He goes seven innings. Phils get to Wainwright. Hoskins hits a homer. Castellanos, Romuto hits a homer. Uh, you know, the, it looks this was a game led by the big dogs who got you know four runs and w- were able to get enough runs for their ace who actually had a good game this game. 
he hadn't exactly been uh, sharp, I would say, his last few games, but it was good to see him kind of, you know, be be dominant, be that Zach Wheeler that almost won the Cy Young last year, the that one of the best pitchers in the in the major leagues, that Zach Wheeler. It was good to see that man, you know, revert back to his self and, and show up. Forty four thousand were in the building. It was fireworks Sunday night baseball, you know, and the the park was live. It, it was um. It was good to see that, and it just it, hey, it's you know a signifier, or it's what could be coming soon. You know, like that's just to let that's a little bit of a, an appetizer for what what could be happening towards the end of the season, towards the September, when you get Bryce Harper back, you get Gene Segura back, you're in a wild card race. You're maybe even f- like tr- trying to run down the Mets, and it, it just the that the red October is right right up you know on the horizon, right around the corner. And the the team and and the city start to feel it. You know, it, it starts to become a real, real discussion that the Phillies could be going back to the playoffs. A discussion that hasn't seemed to be real in in nearly a decade. That that's exciting. That that is something I, I can't wait. You know, I I I, I seriously just lo- love to even the, the thought of that. Like that that just I get excited just sitting here thinking about that. But. Then the Phils come in uh, last night, which was Tuesday night. Today is Wednesday, if you don't know. And they take care of absolute business against the Nationals. 11-0, a game that was, you know, it wasn't much of a game. You get five solid innings from Christopher Sanchez, who they've brought up him and uh, Bailey Falter, who was already up. But uh, Christopher Sanchez is the replacement for Ranger Suarez, who is out with, I believe, right knee soreness, which... Uh no no sorry I, I'm mixing him up with Eflin Eflin has the the knee soreness Suarez has back spasms so hopefully that's not going to be something that lingers on and we can get him back relatively quickly these guys can hold the fort down for uh, a couple weeks the Christopher Sanchez's the Bailey Falters you know maybe hopefully Gibson can shake out you know get out of this funk and just shake off the, the this nonsense that it seems like has lingered on for him for a, maybe a, I mean since that that Miami Marlins start he has kind of been not not the Gibby that we need not not the Gibson that ha, he has been in the past and that, that uh, eight inning uh you know eight eight plus inning that start that he had where Garrett Stubbs at the walk-off home run that is the game I am talking about that's the last time we've seen a high quality Gibson start in my opinion so Back to last night's game. Schwarber hits two nukes to start the game off, bottom of the first and then bottom of the third. And then right in the fourth, it seemed like the floodgates began to open. Romuto, boom. Romuto again with a home run, which is, I saw a stat in his first, I mean, three months basically. He had three home runs, and then in his last like 30-something, 40-something plate appearances, he's got four home runs. So that is huge, man. You, you could kind of feel it a couple weeks ago, him starting to turn that corner and that power, which is a huge part. You, we need that power. It doesn't necessarily have to be home runs, but extra base hits, just putting pressure on the defense. We need that from Romuto because he's, I mean, he's a, makes a lot of money. He makes a lot of money. He's a great fielding catcher, but you need to hold your own in the, uh, in the hitting department, man. That's not, you know, back up to 244. It's good to see he was dipping down close to 220 in the, in the low 230s average wise. So it's good to see him kind of bouncing back, power numbers starting to show up, and just him 
being more of a productive option of the offense and not a automatic out or walking ground ball slash double play, which he has been, it seeming seems like for the last few months, where this this pit in your stomach and this dread, that doom and gloom I was talking about, well, that happened when Real Muto would step to the plate playing the Applebee song in the background, and it's it's not it's not necessarily like that anymore. It seems like he has turned the corner. Castellanos had a good night last night. He had a double. He went two for two or two for four. I'm sorry. He had a couple RBIs. It's good to see him. You know he's up around 250 now. It, we're gonna need like I, I told I told you right when Bryce got hurt. Castellanos and Ramuto are gonna be the two guys that they need to come out and produce. Schwarber's been doing his thing. He's been hitting home runs all season long. He hasn't necessarily hit for average, but he he's hitting home runs and he's doing his thing. Hoskins, you know, he didn't have a great night last night, but everyone else, you know, picked up for him. I'm sure he'll bounce back tonight. He'll bounce back tomorrow. Like, that's just how it's been. So the Phils, you know, it's huge playing these series against the Nationals. They need to beat the shit out of the Nationals with, you know, I can't say that any more, any more clearly than that. When they play these teams, these these bottom feeder teams in the major leagues, they need to beat the shit out of them. And they need to, you know, do what they're doing to uh, these other series, these Cardinals, Padres. You know, the the Brave series didn't go exactly as planned, but they didn't get swept. They need to win. They need to win some series, man. Sweep the Nats and win series against the the guys who are on your level or the teams that are in your tax bracket necessarily. So it is good to see the Phil. So tonight we will have Aaron Nola on the mound, which that that feels like it should be a win, but. Josiah Gray will be on the mound for them. He's not exactly 4.22 ERA. He's probably their best pitcher that we'll see uh, all weekend because the, the Nats are not exactly a loaded ball club. You could say, uh, however you want, if you want to put that lightly, they're 29 and 54. They are a bottom feeder organization, like I've said. So, Phils need to just continue to beat them down. They have a game tonight. They have a game tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Against the Nationals, Bailey Falter will be on the mound, and then Friday we head to Atlanta—not Atlanta. Uh, look, my mind's already still back at next uh, last week, but we will head to St. Louis, baseball heaven, supposedly. That's what that's what people have told me for a four-game series that will extend into Monday, which is very odd. That's a that's a you know usually you would have a four-game series start on the Thursday and on Sunday, series extend into the Monday. That's not a uh, something that happens all the time, but it will be a four-game series starting with a Friday night at 8:15. Then two the two games on Saturday, Sunday are 2:15 games. Uh, Friday night we will have Gibson on the mound against Wainwright, who the Phils were able to, you know, get to some somewhat early. Then we'll have Dakota Hudson and Zach Wheeler. So I I, I like our chances that night, Sunday, and then you know it kind of starts to get a little because then we'd have to start going to I believe Noel would probably pitch on Monday. Back to Sanchez on Sunday. I don't know who they would go with because it's not uh, not right here on the app. So, our Philadelphia Phillies, our fighting Phils. We're talking about the fightings here. Are seven games out of the NL East. They have made. They have almost cut that deficit in half since Girardi was fired. He, essentially, give or take a few. The Mets were shut out last night by the Reds. They were walked off by a Mike Moustakis sack fly. They are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. It does not seem like they are that same Mets that were existent early on in the season. 
It is a long baseball season is a very very long season, and if the season ended today, ladies and gentlemen, the Phillies would be in the playoffs because they are the owner of the third and final wild card spot, and they I believe have a one game advantage in the or. Uh, I don't know how this works, but they, I believe, have a tiebreaker over the Cardinals, probably due to head-to-head record or something like that. But the good thing is we will that that is not the end-all, be-all. We will have a definitive answer by the time September and October roll around. But it is interesting to note that the Phillies have kind of, you know, and especially in the Braves have kind of, you know, closed that gap in the. In the NL East, in the you know the wild card, it's it, the the San Francisco Giants have fallen fallen off the face of the earth. Essentially, they're two and eight in their last ten. They've lost six in a row. They have just you know they have absolutely combusted. So it seems like the Gabe Kapler talking about is a hot dog a sandwich and, and arguing about beards and mustaches to to the media, all that fun shit kind of uh, runs runs out of gas when your team you know oh I, I'm going to run the score up. Uh, and uh, I, I, you know, it is. We are not doing this on purpose. We are not trying to hurt your feelings. Like you know, it seems like that shit has uh, kind of run, run to the, uh, run to the wayside because the team itself isn't really that good. They really weren't that good to begin with. And it looks like the, the you know, I, I just kind of wanted to take that opportunity to shit on Kapler a little bit, even though I loved Kapler. Right? Hey, hey, I, I was the president at one time. Of the Gabe Kapler fan club. Anyone who follows me on Twitter or knows. I was a huge fan of that guy. I loved him as a manager. I thought he was a good manager. I didn't think he really got a fair opportunity here. With the fact that they didn't really have great players. But he also. I just thought he he was kind of just not a net net positive. Like he didn't do much to help the team. I even said the same for Joe Girardi. And it turns out that guy was actually uh, actively uh, uh, like hurting the team. uh, Affecting the team. He was making the team lose it seems like because they just woke up out of a slumber and turned into a competent baseball team the second they fired them so that is that for the Phillies and for the major leagues Uh, you know like we said it's right now the playoffs would look Dodgers Mets Brewers Braves Padres Phillies uh, I think the wild card would be we have to play the Padres and the Padres go we go into a series with the it's very interesting this year. So we will, we, but there's plenty of time to figure that out. I would love to run the Mets down. And I think we don't, you know, worrying about the playoffs right now is obviously kind of shot out and just not a a realistic thing to be thinking about. But it is good that we have closed that gap. That it is a real conversation, and that we are not so far gone, or, or we have not that hole that we were talking about in, in early May. And even early June is not really as existent anymore, and it's kind of a real, you know, like like I said, if the season ends today, we'd be in the playoffs. That that you have to sit here on July July sixth and feel good about that. You have you just have to. It's the Phillies are in a much better place right now than they were a month ago, and that that's that that's. That feel that's an incredible feeling. So we have plenty of time before now in October. We will have a trade deadline for the possibility to add some guys. Hopefully, we see less <laughs> of Mickey Moniak because I love him in the field. I just wish that that guy could, could. He just doesn't even seem like he's in the same zip code when someone throws a curveball or anything that's not a fastball. It is just. It, 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 it it's it's sad to see it just you know because you I feel like he has 
all of the ability in the world, and, and I feel like he really could be a, a quality Major League Baseball player in the same sense that Matt Veerling is. But he just he, something is like something's off. Either he's missing something. I don't know whether it. I mean, it seems mental, but maybe he just doesn't. Maybe he's not as talented, or he just lacks an ability. Like he just can't hit major league pitching because it seems like when they send him down to AAA, he just destroys these guys. He was raking in spring training. You, you got to just. It, it, it's mind mind boggling. Well, what what could be going wrong here? Well, what would you no. Know, how do we rectify this? How do we turn this guy into a competent major league outfielder? Because I don't want to see Oduble out there. I'm sick of it. I really am. And like I said, I like Veerling. But I, I just think I would love for the, the former number one overall pick to be a player who's not a stiff and you can actually play on a night-in-night-out basis, whether it be lefty or righty or doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, you're gonna, you can only pretty much play him against righties because the lefties are just going to throw sliders in the dirt and he's going to swig at every single one of them. So what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? But uh, that's the one thing probably right now that I, I looked and, you know, I look and say, well, damn, you know, uh, if I, I just wish that that's the only real negative thing that I think. Uh, the starting pitching being hurt, that's a problem. But... I think that that can be rectified by Suarez coming back. Eflin should be back soon. Maybe you can get some good pitching from Christopher Sanchez in the interim. And maybe you can even make a trade down the line and get somebody in here that can that, that can help push you to the playoffs. That third starter. Yeah, I talk about Frankie Montas on here, but you know, someone within reason and in the in, in a reasonable price range. So the Phils don't have to trade the Andrew Painters, the Mick Abels of the world, the Griff McCarries, all, all those guys who we have fallen in love with uh, via the prospect chain because it doesn't seem like for a long time we've had any prospects to move. Uh, it seems like we've kind of, I, w- I don't want to say replenished the farm because I, I don't know if that's actually accurate, but it just seems like we have more pieces than we have had in recent years. Maybe that's due to Clintex, uh, the fruit of Clintex uh, bearing kind of finally coming to fruition or whatever. I don't even know what I just said, but thank you, Matt Clintex. How about that? Shout out to Andy McPhail because you guys really had no idea how to run a serious organization. Or maybe just John Middleton didn't want to spend and finally somebody like Dave Dombrowski came in and said, hey, yo, bud. We need to spend some fucking coin. It, it, what you got here ain't going to work, okay? The Mickey Moniacs of the world, it's just not, this ain't it. We got to bring in some real players. We got to bring in some Castellanos. We got to bring in some Schwarbers. And then, you know, somebody gets hurt and you have to wind up playing Moniac anyway. So, yeah, what, what are you going to do? So, to keep it moving, we have a little bit of uh, NBA news and just notes and things of that nature. So, Kevin Durant wound up requesting a trade out of uh, New Jersey after Kyrie Irving opted in, which was a little, uh, I guess from the outside, it seemed a little bit shocking because everyone always talks about how friendly they are and they are their best friends and they're in they're in lockstep and they, 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 they just wanted to play together. They I ain't going to leave Seven there by himself or whatnot. And Seven says, yo, I'm out. Like, I, I, don't, you know, I ain't going to be here. Shout out to Magic Johnson. But... Crazy to see a player of that caliber asking for a trade, uh, being available for a trade, his name being shopped to all sorts of different teams across the NBA. 
it is a situation where I wish we still had Ben Simmons, but I, you know, even then, I don't even know if that would get it done because I heard. I mean, some of the offers that I've heard floated out there that are being said no. I saw DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and five first-round picks was said no to. So I don't think. I obviously would love to, you know, and I see some lunatics who wouldn't trade Maxi for Kevin Durant. You need to get your head out of your ass. Uh, I, I, I let me just go out and say that immediately. I don't care what you think uh, Maxi is going to be, what p- kind of player he could be in the future. You believe in him. You really like him. He is, you know, he's a great kid. But be honest with yourself. He will never. This is what I always think about when, when in these trades. Uh, he will never, ever, ever be the player that Kevin Durant is right now or in the future. You know, like he he's not. You obviously have a window right now of championship opportunity that you need to pounce on. These draft picks and these young guys and all this. This is not going. It's not. It does not coincide. With your championship opportunity, your window that has opened up now. Okay, you have an older James Harden. He's going to be 33 next season. Kevin Durant is similar age. These guys are in, you know, in their primes or in the tail end of their primes. And you have a Joel Embiid who just came in second for the MVP. How long are you going to wait for Maxi to become that player? What exactly do you think Maxi can become? Give me a name, an example of a player you believe he is or he could be. Now, hey, I am not. I am not one. I'm not going to sit here. This is not a anti-Maxi take. You're talking about one of the best scorers to ever play the game of basketball. You're talking about the easy money sniper, the slim reaper. Like there, there. You, you're talking about. I don't even know how else I can be more. You know, more blunt and honest about it. This is one of the best players to ever play the game of basketball. He's six ten. He can shoot from anywhere. And he just scores the basketball, and this is a guy who we talk about. We want a guy who's willing to take and make shots. Kevin Durant is that guy. Now, this conversation is kind of irrelevant, and it's not exactly uh, it's it's kind of just a waste of time because that trade I just told you for the Suns. If that's not going to get it done, I don't think uh, Maxi Tobias Harris. Uh, you know, the Furcon, Matisse, uh, you know, uh, you can throw in anyone you want. I don't think any of that is going to get a trade done. It's just not, you know. I don't think we're close there. It's just uh, that's the unfortunate situation, you know, because I would, obviously would love to have a, a player like Kevin Durant. I would love to be able to just sit here on these podcasts and talk to you about the greatness that is Kevin Durant and just. Watch our watch our Sixers team that has three of the best players on, on the planet, you know. And James Harden would look like the greatest player to ever play on the planet if he had Joel Embiid and and Kevin Durant to throw throw the ball to. But obviously, there's so much more with the you know Harden uh, Harden and Durant aren't exactly necessarily best friends anymore. Just all all this this conversation. If I continue to go down that road, it's just a waste of time. Just due to the fact that I doubt he even gets traded. Because how can you even properly quantify the what his value is? How how could you even begin to figure out what you would want for him if that if that Suns deal isn't going to get it done? I don't know. I saw, I mean the warrior that Warriors hypothetical trade with Kuminga and 
Wiseman, Wiggins, J- J- Jordan Poole, just all names of that nature, then y- yeah, I mean that that's even uh, that to me is even better than what we have going on. So, I, I it depends on it really just depends on if he's going to be traded. Now, Kyrie Irving, he's another guy who has been his name has been floated around and kind of been talked about in in the trade in the trade conversation. That's someone I think has more of a chance of being traded than Kevin Durant. But I, I you know, the NBA is different. Once these stars and these these high profile personalities and just these these superstars ask for trades, they usually get what they want because they make the situation that they're in so untenable that they have to just they they have to get rid of them. They have to be removed from the situation. Now I saw their owner Joe Joe Sai, I believe, uh, saying he wants player. He'd rather just be in the playing game and have a team that he's proud of than have this team of superstars that is just you know it's like a drag and, and it just sucks the life out of the building. I imagine that Kyrie Irving is very difficult to deal with. I don't know what a trade for Kyrie Irving would look like. I don't know if I would even want Kyrie Irving. You know, in theory, I would not trade Tyrese Maxey for Kyrie Irving. So if that for that if that Maxey if that Maxey conversation pissed you off, then here I'm going to bring you back. I just wouldn't do that for for Irving. Just do the fact that it's probably a one year thing. You can't trust him. You don't know what you you know. I know a part of his deal was he wanted a a long term contract attached to it. I just don't know what this, you know, I think in that situation, we would be the most uh, viable situation. Like if we wanted Kyrie Irving, I think he'd already be here because I think no one really wants him. The Lakers do, but they don't have anything to give up other than Russell Westbrook. And I mean, you talk about an untenable situation. You trade for Russell Westbrook and you still have Kevin Durant in house. That just seems like a, an accident waiting to happen. That, that that doesn't even, that that seems like a ridiculous like curb your enthusiasm skit. This just doesn't make any sense. So like it, it, you got you look around and you just don't know what you, you know what would be a reasonable place for him to go. Like even even a Boston, if it was like if you wiped the history out and it was just like a a Kyrie Irving player was available, they probably would think about making that deal because they probably could get him for pretty cheap. But. It's not, you know, it's not that he he's burned so he burned his bridge in Boston. It's not they're not bringing him back. Uh, you, I mean, the more you look at it, I I just don't see many options for the Nets or, or many options for Kyrie Irving for for how to make a trade happen. It really does seem like there's only one team available, and and, and I don't know if, if the Nets it's even worth their their time to make that deal or, or the, the headache and, and the situate, like it just seems like they're in a tough, they're in a tough, tough spot in regards to the Sixers. I don't, I, I, like I said, I, I don't know what it would take for me to want to get Kyrie Irving or I obviously think Kyrie Irving is a great basketball player, but he seems like he is a guy who will tank your basketball team at the same time. Seems like he is very difficult to deal with off the floor. It doesn't seem like he's the greatest teammate. Uh, it, it, he says we don't need coaches. Uh, you know, he can just play. They don't even need a coach. They can just go out and play. And it just seems like he lives his life in a state of delusion. 
and, and that 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 is something I I don't I I you know I I don't even know where like he there's just so much more to him than just the basketball ability and, and his ability on the floor because that is unquestioned. He is you know top he's at the top of his game. I don't know where the the list. I'll be releasing a list very relatively sh- uh, shortly. I'm gonna start doing some YouTube stuff. That'll be one of my first videos. Is my top ten list. I don't think he makes the top ten, but he is right outside of it. Top fifteen, top twenty basketball players on the planet right now. But it's just so much more than that. It is so so much more than that. But uh, you know, we will see. The Nets are obviously they're driving the conversation. Lots of different guys got contracts. Zion, John Morant, uh, Bradley Beal becomes the tenth player in the history of the NBA to get a no-trade clause in his deal. Uh, I believe he joins LeBron, KG, Kevin Garnett, uh, Carmelo, Dirk, Kobe, D-Wade, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and John Stockton. Those are the only 10 players to ever get no-trade clauses in the NBA. That's how rare it is. Bradley Beal is one of those players. Contract also has a 15% trade kicker and a player option for a fifth year. So he will he the good thing about his contract in in term you know in regards to him is he will dictate uh what you know it, it, he can't just be traded anywhere he will get to decide where he wants to go and you know he's remained loyal to the Wizards they have he's been rewarded handsomely uh for that for that loyalty I, I you know it, it just it, it is crazy to me to see him just you know continue to go back to the Wizards. The Wizards are not going to be good in, in the near future. They are not going to compete for a championship. I can say that unequivocally. They are not. They are not a good franchise. But he has remained loyal. I guess you can give him credit for that. Same thing with Dame Lillard. At least Dame Lillard has experienced a little bit more playoff. Uh, I wouldn't even. I guess success. But he's at least lived in the playoffs a little bit more and a little longer than say Bradley Beal has, because it seems like since John Wall has been out of there, they have not even sniffed the playoffs since they were playing Isaiah Thomas and the Celtics in a seven-game series and losing in seven. It's just the Wizards are not, they are not that kind of franchise. They haven't been in some time. So, uh, you know, uh, congrats to uh, Mr. Beal making all that money. Plenty of guys got contracts. Someone who did not get a contract yet, James Harden. The beard has not received his deal yet, but it is uh, rumored and has been kind of discussed and, and accepted amongst all the insiders that he is going to come back to Philadelphia on a th- on a two to three year deal at around. I assume it's going to be a two year with an option for a third, and he will come back at around thirty in the thirty million dollar range. Uh, Shams uh, said today that it will be a three at the beginning of that name in annual value. I think that's a good deal for the Sixers. He opted out of that $47 million. It allowed them to go out, make some different moves, sign P.J. Tucker mainly to that three-year $33 million deal, which I, I've spoken about on here. I don't love. I really don't love signing a 37-year-old guy to a three-year deal, but I guess that's the price of doing business and getting someone like that to come to your team. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to shit on that right now. I, I will, I'm sure I'll have plenty of opportunity and time down the road to shit on that. But you need, you needed to get some people like you need to get someone like that. You know, you, you definitely did. You, you needed, you needed a kind of a junkyard dog sort of guy, someone, a veteran presence who's been on, you know, 
championship caliber teams and who has been in and played in the biggest games of the season. You know, he's friends with uh, PJ or PJ Tucker's friends with James Harden, so that is a plus, I would imagine. You know, I guess now James Harden will have someone to go to the club with. That that's a good thing. You know, it seems like you'll get the best version of James Harden. Club James Harden is the best version of James Harden. We we, we remember. We all remember. So hopefully, in the next few days, this trade is consummated, and we will figure out, you know, what what is next for, or, or we'll just at least get not even next. We'll just get a little bit more clarity in regards to James Harden and just the Sixers situation. I mean, it is that championship sort of uh, experience mindset that, that uh, you know, just it, James, listen, PJ Tucker in a vacuum, if it was a, you know, not a three year deal, I'd be all about it. It's exactly what the Sixers need. He's towards the twilight of his career, but he has, you know, he just showed you he was providing valuable minutes for. The, the Heat last year, and he just brings a certain energy and aura to him. The way the Sixers melted down last season, collapsed, and, you know, just kind of rolled over and died, just gave, it quit. It, it sort of, it, it felt like it, that won't be accepted with a P.J. Tucker on the team. That guy, he was the guy that was going down and getting boards for the Heat in the crunch time of that game six, what, 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 you know, closing out, out the Sixers. He was... One of those guys, you know, he's he's a tough guy to score on. He is a valuable piece off the bench. He'll probably give you better minutes than George Niang and all that, barring he doesn't just disintegrate physically within this offseason. I, I just, it just really is, I have trouble sitting here and banging my chest and getting excited about a guy who's 37 years old and signing him to a long, like, you know, a, a, a deal anything longer than one year. I, I, I was, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way, but the Sixers need him. The Sixers need guys like him and the Sixers need more too. They're, they, you know, they're not done. There's still moves to be made out there. And I think we will have a little bit more clarity when James Harden is signed. We will know what is next for the team. I really am still holding out hope that they can make a big splash and pull in one of these you know, like like Kyrie Irving or, or or Kevin Durant. I know, like I just talked about, I don't really want him and whatnot. But if they were able to get him for Tobias Harris or something like that, then I don't know how I could say no to something like that. Uh, you know, like that's like that's like the fanboy sort of NBA 2K guy in me. But the knowledge, you know, the knowledgeable, uh, use your head sort of guy is saying no. Like that's not that's not it. I still would like to see Tobias move for maybe a couple role play. You know, like I just I think that there's other moves that still can be made. I don't think running it back with the same squad and adding PJ Tucker and Daniel House and uh, you know DeAnthony Melton. I just don't know. That's not enough. You know that 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 is not. You're not gonna you know piss on me and tell me it's raining. That that ain't that ain't it. That, that that's I'm not fall. You know we won't get fooled again. Shout out to the who. I'm not doing this every year. Where I convince myself like an idiot that this is this year is going to be different. I was able to get back on this year just because of the way Joel Embiid was playing and trading for James Harden, a former MVP. That's something I can get down with. Now that I've seen it, now I've seen what kind of player James Harden is, and that's essentially the only thing that can really 
really changes is if James Harden turns into a, the, that version of his former self. And how many of you out there really think that that could happen? Are you confident in that? Do you really believe that James Harden could do something like that? That he's just going to turn the clock back and he's going to become a 25-point-per-game, you know, near-30-point-per-game scorer? He wasn't exactly the greatest point guard slash facilitator this year. Uh, you know, or not even this year. He did he did good at, at, for, through stretches, but in that play, in, in towards the end and in the playoffs, he wasn't exactly the greatest. He's only averaging 18 points a game, too. We need more than that. We we, we definitely we need more than that. And uh, I think that I think he knows that. I think everyone knows that. I think that's why he's willing to accept a, a lesser deal, which is a little alarming. That maybe he knows he doesn't. He's not that player anymore. So that I mean that's that's alarming. Obviously, I'm the the fan in me wants to believe that he's going to turn back the clock and, and at least be a better version of himself than he was this year. The hamstring was something that was holding him back. He obviously, wasn't the same explosive James Harden. The jump shot was not falling the same way it was in years past. So I I do believe no matter what I think he's going to be better this year. I think the big uh discussion or disparity in some, with some of the fans or just people I've talked to about this is like how much of a difference is that going to make how much better is he going to be going into this season you know do we actually think that he's going to come back average 25 points a game and that'll be enough to win you know get us to a championship will that be enough to get over you know beat Boston beat Milwaukee beat some of the best teams in, in the NBA I don't believe that right now. As the way this team is constructed, Tobias Harris, all that, I don't I, I don't buy that personally. But I, I still like I said, I think that the the good thing is we don't have to make that decision necessarily right now. It doesn't have to be decided immediately. We can wait. We can see what what other moves are made by Daryl Morey and, and the Sixers front office. And then we can go from there, and we can decide what we what we think you know this team is going to be. Because right now, I'll tell you, right, obviously we all can we all can make our determinations. We can all make changes. Right now, I don't think this team is much better than a second round exit. That's you know, and they, they, it seems like they're going to be in a battle in the first round because they are the fourth or fifth best team in this conference. Seems like they will be playing teams like the Raptors, and the Nets are. are still up in the air as well. They are kind of not in a similar situation, but similar to, to the to the effect that we don't know what they're going to be. We don't know what's going to happen. A lot could change just due to the fact that you don't know where Kevin Durant's going to play next year. I mean, Miami's still a team that, you know, a viable threat in, in, the, in the East. Losing P.J. Tucker doesn't end them. They, they, were, they were one shot away from going to the NBA Finals. So I think the Sixers, just we just need to... I don't know. I'm not the pump the brakes guy, but I just you know I'm not getting excited over PJ Tucker and, and random guys of this nature. It's just not happening. So that will do it for the hot take. Shout out to Joey Chestnut winning the uh, winning winning his like 16th straight. You know, other than uh, Matt Stoney, I don't really count that one. His wife divorced him that week. You know, kind of sabotaged it. You know, that's got to ruin your stomach. I can't imagine. Uh, I know it would me, so uh, you know, just your wife doing you dirty in the biggest week of your uh, of your year every year. You just you know, 
sweep the rug out from under my guy. But shout out to Joey Chestnut, 2-0 and this weekend uh, w- with the hot dog eating contest, taking the protester out. Big weekend for hot dogs and glizzies and grease missiles. I uh, hope everyone had a great fourth as well. And we will get, you know, we'll be back. Like I said, we'll have we'll have a show on Friday talking about the UFC from this past weekend. It was a pretty good show. I, I'll give you, uh, you know, my rating right now is around a B, B minus. It, it just, it, it was a big, big, lots of fights. The, the prelims are probably better than the main card. It just unfortunately didn't live up, you know, wasn't able to live up to the hype. Other than Alex Pereira, we will talk so much about all of that this weekend. I know Ty will have a lot to say. He had a lot to say over the text messages, so uh, we will get into all that. The Eagles, not much there. I, I don't want to spend too much time on the on them. Actually, I don't want to spend any time on them because there's really nothing to discuss, and there uh, was nothing for the Flyers or hockey in general. So if I missed anything basketball, I will talk about it next week or maybe even later this week. I'm trying, I'm trying to get a guest on. This is the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney.